0: hello 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 welcome to where they at this is the 11th edition of Where They At. My name is Nabate Isles and it's always a pleasure to feature retired athletes who's who's done wonderful things on the field and off the field and have unique personalities. This episode features someone that has really tremendous for the game of baseball into the turn of the century, early part of the 21st century. He's a two-time all-star center fielder both times of the Boston Red Sox and with that Red Sox team of 2004 ended the curse of the Bambino by winning the 2004 World Series Championship, 86 years after their last title. And also he won the World Series with their rival, the New York Yankees, in 2009. And he's the only player who played with regularity on the field that did that other than George Herman Babe Roof. That's a hell of a person to, to be uh, with in, in that category. And he has over 2,700 hits, 400 stolen bases, and a 284 career batting average. in A little less than 10,000 at bats. That's a long, sustainable, and also uh, recognizable career. It is my pleasure to present the one and only, Mr. Johnny Damon. How are you, sir?
1: Hey, I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for uh, have, having me on and letting people know where I've been at.
0: Yes, sir. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no doubt, yes, sir, and and there's so much to talk about with you. You've had such a, an intriguing life, so many life lessons, uh, so many uh, people you've inspired, and people that that have inspired you. Well, the first question I I read in your book, which was which is great, um, how your mom when she met your dad in uh, in during the Vietnam War out in Southeast Asia, she felt sorry for your dad. I, <laughs> I was laughing, but then you said in the book, no, seriously, she felt sorry. <laughs> yeah. Talk about their relationship and that dynamic. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, yeah, my mom felt sorry for him because she's like, there's no way a woman's going to marry this guy. He's he's an ugly guy and uh, a clumsy guy. And so they got to chatting. She was a nurse in uh, Thailand and not exactly sure where um, they met, but mm-hmm. – uh, they met and uh, had one great kid out of it. My brother, uh, they call him boy. <laughs> 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 now, my, my, now my brother was a uh, really good athlete, you know, and um, he's, he was just jealous that I got all the good genes. And, uh, you know, my, my mom sacrificed marrying a – uglier man to, uh, you know, to get this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. And I remember for, first, like, knowing about you when you came up to the bigs in the mid-90s. I wondered, like, oh, okay, this cat must have Asian background. So it's very, very unique look you had. And, and back in those days, the the internet wasn't really prevalent, so I couldn't look it up. But eventually, like, the announcers would mention, you know, your background and everything when you watch the games. So, But I got to get, I got to big up your book, Idiot. Beating the curse and enjoying the game of life. That's your book that yes, came sir. out in two thousand five and everything, and so many great things it talked about. and And the next, uh, the next topic I wanted to speak with you about your natural athletic ability. I mean, you, you, you mastered not just baseball, but you were a, a solid soccer player, track and field. You ran one hundred and two hundred meters. Football, you know, you play football in high school. Like, talk about how that really helped you and establishing your discipline knowing the ability that you had
1: yeah I, I mean playing sports is a very important thing and uh you know the kids nowadays just don't go out and try things and um fortunately my brother was three years older and we had a great neighborhood with a bunch of kids that would play outside all the time and we would create games you know the uh um the manhole would be home plate for us uh first base would be uh um little stick that that was um in a small park area second base was a manhole third base was a crack in the sidewalk and um ah. like that, you know, home runs were uh the light poles so i was fortunate that we had kids going outside and to play a lot of different games um uh, i was always fast but uh my brother had no idea how fast I was until high school because my brother was considered the fastest guy around. Well, I was just a couple of years younger. So, uh, by the time we got to high school, um, we were doing baseball and track and, uh, we were running the hundred meters and he's, he was quick off the blocks, you know, um, he ran a four, three forty, and, Ooh. uh, I, I ended up running a four two, but, uh, but, but he was really quick. Um, so he took off in that first 40 meters that are trying out for the track team. And he was um, winning. And then all of a sudden, you know, I had that kick. So it was uh, tough to beat me. And I turned it on and my brother, um, you know, he's like, how, how are you this fast? And uh, he ended up quitting track because he's like, if I can't beat my brother, it's, it's embarrassing. And I was, and I told him, you shouldn't be worried about it because I'm I'm faster than almost everybody in our uh, um, division in our conference. Uh, we had this kid named Hor- Horace Copeland from uh, Evans High School and mm-hmm. he, he ended up going to the University of Miami. And, Jamaican, right? And
0: our- Jamaican team, right? Running team?
1: Um. Well, that, that was uh, Philip Riley with track. But, uh, okay. Horace okay. Copeland played football. Oh, and, football. Uh, I dig it. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Mm-hmm. yeah so, uh, he was the only one who beat me in the hundred meters and he was a senior like all American senior. And, uh, you know, I, I held my own. And then after that I kept winning the hundred, 200 meters and never lost a 400 meter race. So, uh, um, yeah, I can fly, especially for a big guy.
0: Wow. And, and that's crazy how, um, you know, I was thinking, imagine if Usain Bolt did the 100, 200, 400. That would have, like, I, I've always said, because he did the 400 by 4 by 400. Remember he ran yeah. in that. So I was like, do the, do the individual too.
1: <laughs> that guy is absolutely ridiculous. Yes. I mean, he, uh, and I know he's somewhat retired, but I'm sure he can go out and uh, win this summer as well
0: talking with Johnny Damon on where they at, the 11th edition of where they at, two-time World Series champion with the Red Sox and Yankees. Uh, Now, Johnny, in high school, you excelled immediately. Freshman year, you excelled uh, in in baseball. And then your senior year, you were doing a a Florida All-Star team. And the names on this list, I mean, Alex Rodriguez, A-Rod, who you ended up winning a title with in 09. I'm going to ask you, about that in a second todd helton and danny todd helton who's a borderline hall of famer who should be in there really in my opinion and Absolutely. danny connell like who ended up being a starting quarterback uh, for florida state seminoles as well as in the nfl national football league so wow talk about the conversations you guys have now about those days especially a rod even when you guys were playing with the yankees
1: yeah well that was a uh amazing team that um of uh, Steve Port uh, put together, uh, we all ended up being Bergen Beach, uh, New York team. So uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, this was actually more after my uh, sophomore year. Oh, okay, so it's earlier. Uh, okay, mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, I was the number three hitter on the team. A Rod was the number nine hitter. So uh, that's right because he was a
0: freshman, right? Yeah, yeah. Right.
1: So he, yeah, so he hadn't developed his power or anything, and. Um, We all stayed at Euclid High School like we were in this dorm and uh, uh, or these classrooms with no air conditioning. uh, um, And, you know, it it was a great experience because we all got together um, after we played. We played basketball against the other teams like California, Texas and Ohio. It was a great experience to learn how it was like to be away from home. Um, You know, I I did travel a lot being a, a military kid, but traveling on my own. This was uh, uh, a new start, but uh, yeah, we, we did pretty well. Uh, Dan Serafini from uh, uh, ended up playing for the twins. He ended up beating us in the championship game. So we we weren't too happy about that, but yeah, (laughs) we, we had some stars on the team and uh, it's great when we look back and we look back at those pictures and, uh, knew that it was such a great time
0: well wow, yes indeed and 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 I wanted to get to how in the minor leagues you drafted 35th overall in the 92 draft um by the Kansas City Royals and and you sh- you should have been you mentioned in your book that you should have been a top five pick but your senior year was was tough reflect on that
1: I went to a track meet up in Gainesville and uh, had some bad food dropped about 10 pounds and got um, weaker and and it's tough when you're a little bit lighter than what, what you are. I mean, I noticed that in the big leagues, like when I was um, from 205 to 218, I, I could tell the difference um, on hitting the ball, but I lost some weight. And it just seemed like nothing really went my way. You know, every ball I hit hard got caught. Um, and you know then i'm just pressing trying to put up big numbers because i of course you want to go number one or um high in the draft so so i slipped but this could have been the best thing for me because i had a lot to prove and um i wasn't happy how things went um i I did hit the ball good I, i did run well i finished um fifth in the state in the 100 meters that year i finished second in the 200 meters and uh so I was, uh, you know, I was fighting, and and that was a good thing. Uh, baseball is a tough game. It's a failure sport, and I think that's why a lot of kids are um, walking away from it because nobody wants to fail. And uh, I knew that I had to, uh, um, you know, fight it, and that's exactly what I did. I got drafted 35th. Um, I was going to go to the University of Florida, but I was like, you know what? I'm ready. I have a lot to prove, and it's time to start my uh, – no baseball education right
0: now that's right that's right because you it's funny too like because when you drafted in the first round you gotta go gotta go because right. you get that guaranteed money you know and you got that $250,000 bonus and everything and that that that's important for sure like I can't like Garrett Cole was funny Garrett Cole was drafted 18th overall but then he went to UCLA and then he was drafted number one so sometimes that gamble could pay off or not but you did the right thing you did the right thing
1: Yeah, but it's also uh, different for some people, too. I mean, uh, we didn't grow up with much money. My mom was working two, three jobs. My my dad as well, getting a military pension. So $250,000 was a lot, a lot to us. And uh, so I I knew I had to uh, take care of my parents and have them slow down and so they can uh, watch my transition to playing pro baseball. So, uh, uh, yeah, Garrett was fortunate. He, uh, I mean, he's... He's done everything uh, perfect, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. going to college, getting an education and uh, uh, staying healthy and uh, studying the game. So it's good for him. I mean, that's a lot of money, but he uh, he deserves it. He's he's done everything that he's needed to do.
0: Right. Absolutely. We're going to talk about Cole and the Yankees later on, of course, you know, for sure here. With Johnny Damon, two-time World Series champion, two-time All-Star, here on the 11th edition of Where They At. Now, Johnny, you got your work ethic from your mom, and your dad, too. It's funny. Your dad was very nonchalant about things you talked about, and he let you find your own way. How beautiful was it to have that combination of finding your own way and, as well, having the work ethic? How beautiful was that combination going up the minor leagues and, and joining the Royals in 95?
1: Yeah, it was uh, great to find my way. I mean, my dad was a super big guy who would scare you with his looks, but uh, he was a gentle giant. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he said he'd be happy if I got Cs or better, and then he like, uh, um, you know, he he said if you get straight A's, you're going to get fifty dollars, or you get B, Bs, you get like ten bucks, and. I was like, okay, challenge accepted. So uh, I made sure I went out and got straight A's, and he wasn't um, expecting it. But 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 I understood, like the military upbringing, you know, uh, uh, there's rules to follow. There's uh, uh, decency. Uh, you have to be a good kid, um, you, you know. And my, my whole thing, not, not coming from much money, I wanted to get a college scholarship so my parents didn't have to uh, pay for it. So I made sure that I stayed out of trouble made sure I got good grades, and, uh, um, and you know, I got a full ride to the University of Florida, and I was happy. Never in my wildest dream did I ever think, okay, start making money playing a game that I love, and, uh, you know, I, it worked out great.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. And, and then when you joined the Raws at 21 years old in 1995, there weren't many veterans there. You know, uh, the leadership was questionable, to say the least. And you you weren't being trusted enough. Like, your playing time fluctuated. Uh, So those your work ethic and also going with the flow, rolling with the punches, you know, elaborate more on how that helped you get it through and then you had the opportunity to join Oakland after that. Yeah, you you
1: know, that was uh, very tough because when I got to Kansas City, um, you know, Bob Boone's the manager and he's under the Gene Mock mode where um a left hander sh- um uh, shouldn't hit off the left hander, you know, he, they like making a lot of moves. Well, I hit I think three sixty, three seventy against lefties in the minor leagues and then once I get to the big leagues, yeah, I know it's different facing a guy like Brandy Johnson. But it it was uh very difficult just not having that faith in me and I I went through that my senior year, so I I knew how to battle through things. So I'm like, "Come on, let me play! I'm um, I'm the best guy you have out there." But the toughest thing about going uh, from Double A to the big leagues was I never had a big league spring training. Nowadays, all these prospects get that big league invite to meet the guys and just to see how things work, and then they get sent out whenever. But I never had it. So when I came up, they just released Vince Coleman, um, Craig James, uh, and another veteran guy. So we had three young guys walking into this clubhouse with some veterans who were very upset with, uh, um, what management and what ownership is doing. And, you know, I hadn't experienced the business side of the game yet, but I, um, I won them over very uh, quickly getting three hits, my big league debut. And, uh You know, we uh, shot up to the top of the wild card spot um, for a while. And then they started tinkering tinkering with the lineup. And then that's when, you know, I started going south. It's like I I was bawling at the leadoff spot. And then uh, all of a sudden – Let's make a change. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing. It's like when, especially with the Royals, you have to go with what's right, number one. But number two, when you have talent like yourself and, and like Jermaine Dye and like, you know, Bit Roberts, I believe, young yeah. too as well, and then Beltran eventually. So you got to ride with you, especially if you're not winning with the vets, ride with the young guys and be patient. Like now, now of course, that philosophy is more prevalent in this day and age.
1: Yes, yeah. It- yeah, it was definitely uh, uh, difficult. And even at the start of the '96 uh, season, I believe Tom Goodwin was in center, um, Jermaine Dye was in right, and Pip Roberts was in left. And I didn't play for the first five games because all the outfielders had zero RBI. And I'm going, why? Why is that <laughs> my problem? <laughs> yeah, so I actually I had a couple at bats, and I had more RBIs than what they had, but I wasn't starting. Obviously I was being put in a situation to make contact and do things, but, you know, I want to play, I want to make my mark. And I um, felt like, all right, let's go. And they thought about sending me down and had a talk with them. And I was like, I'm I'm your best guy here. So uh, um, I could do a lot of things and, you know, eventually I got in the lineup, you know, didn't have a great year um, for my standards. I, I mean, Obviously, '99 was the year where I broke out, and from from '99 until um, 2009, I mean, I, you know, my my numbers are pretty darn
0: good. Speak it speaks for themselves. They that's right. During the 2000 decade, and you had you had you led the league 136 runs and 46 steals in 2000, and then you were able, you were traded to the Oakland A's. Like, uh, oh, I'm sorry, you you acquired by the Oakland A's. Yeah, acquired. Was yeah, one yeah you, traded, yeah. yeah. So you, uh, oh, you traded. Okay, you traded to Oakland. And your life changed, your baseball life and your personal life changed when you met so many interesting characters, including the Giambino, Jason Giambi. <laughs> How was that year in Oakland? I
1: mean what a great teammate, what a great leader he was. And I got to see what winning baseball was. I mean, um, you had fun on the field, you had fun off the field, but you were a family. So it was, uh, um, you know, a, it was an absolute treat. And, you know, my uh, ex-wife and I were going through a, a difficult time. She didn't want to go out to Oakland with me. And that was like the spell of, wow. Okay. Um, time to grow up <laughs> some more. And, uh, understand what life is and understand what some of the players have a- already been through uh, the traveling is uh tough on people in the stardom and so uh, uh, my personal life changed quite a bit uh, but my professional life was just hitting uh, um, you know hitting my prime and and I was ready to go and uh, enjoy um, you know what what I've been given you know my uh my talents and I I was ready to make the playoffs. I was ready to uh, be a champion.
0: Yes. And and that first round, the A's, because the Yankees were three-time World Series champions. You played the Yanks in the first round, and the A's had the two-love lead going into Oakland. You won the first two games at the stadium, and then you went into Oakland Then that Jeter, that Jeter played changed. Now, when you were teammates with Jeter later on, you know, do you still talk about that flip that he did in game three that, that, that preserved the one, nothing lead. And then of course the Yankees uh, moved on to win that series.
1: Yeah. I mean, we, we talk about it and it's just heads up. I mean, uh, that's what Jeter was the most (laughs) consistent player, um, possibly ever, um, a very smart player. I mean, um, you know, we kind of came up in the same mold, like, don't waste your time um, out there. Like, there was no place for him to be, and so he uh, he made sure he was in the right spot to make one of the greatest plays of all time, and uh, you know, it was 2001. Um, I think after we lost that series, I think everybody was pulling for the Yankees, especially what happened with 9-11. 9-11. Mm-hmm. And so, but, Jeter, yeah, that play could have stopped my first World Series. So, uh, you know, if he doesn't make that play, we win the series. Um, we swept the Diamondbacks during the regular season so we felt pretty confident with our pitching staff and um, going up against them.
0: Talking with Johnny Damon, two-time World Series champion on um, where they at. Now, Jason Giambi, it's unfortunate that his career is marred with the performance enhancement drug scandal. And it's it's really a shame too, when I read this, how your ex-wife Angie alluded to you not being as quote-unquote clean as you claim. Now, how did that make you feel on that accusation especially from the woman that you knew since you were 14 years old? That really got to me when I read that.
1: No, it got to me too. I mean, this I mean, I know we're going through a divorce, but it's no reason to start making up rumors about me. I mean, I knew growing up that I would never do steroids uh sing Val Alzado go through what he did and I was like I'm never doing steroids uh just like Lynn Bias uh uh, dying from cocaine I was like I'm never doing cocaine or steroids so when she came up with that accusation I I knew it was false but it um once once the story's out there you know you keep hearing about it um I would go to Toronto and there would be a fan always say something about it um when I was uh I think CNN also came out saying that I was on the BALCO list and they knocked on my dad's door and um, was like, what, they asked, what do you think about your uh, son being on the list? And my dad's like, he's not on the list and he's not going to be on the list. And the reporter asked them, well, how do you know? And my dad just says, because I talked to my son, my son's not going to lie to me about uh, right. performance enhancing uh, drugs. So that was unfortunate, but you know, That's what happens when divorce happens. You know, uh, I I never uh, attacked her in that way, but you know what, she wanted to uh, make herself feel good. And you know, it happens, it's over. And no, I never took anything still.
0: (laughs) Right, right. No, I dig that. And, And Jason, how's he doing? Because still, is he still dealing with that internally?
1: I no, I don't think so. I think Jason uh, was a stand-up guy, and he uh, admitted, and, you know, he, he was like, you know, yeah, it helped him out, but, you know, he was doing it the right way. Uh, so they say that there's a right and a wrong way to do it, like La La Zeta, obviously the wrong way. But, you know, the crazy thing is I, I've never seen anyone do it. And so, like, if Jason tells me he never did it, I'll – I'll believe them, you know, but you know, maybe there was something else, um, something else that Balco had. And I, I I know they're making uh, healthier ways to um, make sure you're strong and all that stuff. I think that's probably what Balco was. That's probably what a rod's thing down in Miami was uh, where a bunch of other guys got connected with it. You know, it's, it's, he's doing great. He's got two great kids. Uh, You know, he um, doesn't, drake anymore and he's living a great life so uh everything is great with him and uh it's great seeing him sometime hopefully i'll see him in another month or so but uh such a great guy and such a great teammate and I'm, I'm glad
0: that he's doing well no doubt he's out there in henderson nevada right like over there
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah yes
0: indeed um here with johnny damon on the 11th edition of where they had two time world series champion now johnny speaking of the steroid era barry bonds roger clemens will they eventually get into the hall
1: well i think roger clemens will um because I'm mean, Congress spent $60 million trying to uh, get a, uh, um, uh, get him convicted. Um, Barry Bonds, I think should, should be in the hall of fame because even before the accusations, he was probably one of the best players ever. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't fault anyone who, who's done it, you know, uh, towards the end of my career, I was like, man, I'm definitely not as strong as I was earlier, but I, I have a conscience and, Um, I don't fault these guys for wanting to extend their careers. Um, When I was playing, I, you know, I had the perfect up and down to my prime and uh, I felt like I still had a couple more years to go. But uh, what really upsets me is at the end of my career, I felt like I had a few more years to go to load up on my stats and make them look like one of the, look like one of the best players ever. You know, I have 500 doubles that have, snuck up on people and like the numbers I put up um, definitely did not get respected by the uh, baseball riders. but the guys who did end up cheating towards the end they were um, given multi-year deals you know uh, guys who got um, uh, suspended from steroids they were still able to come back and uh, get contracts and uh, that's that's uh, um, you know maybe ownership that I wasn't trying enough or didn't care enough because I wasn't cheating. So that's, that's how I kind of feel like it because my body type still se- seven years out of the game. I mean, I'm playing soccer, I'm running around, but retirement's been the best thing. So I can't complain too much, but I still feel like I had two more years in me.
0: Yes. And you would have got to 3000 hits. I'm yeah. Sure.
1: 3,600 doubles. Um, you know, that's um, not many people, have got to 600 doubles, and I was uh, just two years away as well.
0: Yes, and it's a shame that like you only got 8% of the vote, which I mean, you should have at least still been there to, to right. make. It. Like Larry Walker. Larry yeah. Walker eventually got in. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like if, if I don't get in, that's
1: fine, but I shouldn't be off the ballot the first year. And especially a bunch of the guys who are getting in um, recently and who are going to get in the future, their numbers don't you know, coincide. I, I know they talked about it. I, I only went to two All Star games. Well, that's a fan vote. There's uh you know, I can't compete against all of Japan when they vote for Ichiro and uh, I can't compete against some of the guys who made the all star game with big numbers. So um but I went out, played the game the right way and um the best thing is going around um and people seeing me and they're like that's that's Johnny Damon the b- very recognizable face and you know they most places I always said, you're my favorite player, or my kid's favorite player. I love the way you play the game. So I think that goes a long way. So hopefully uh, the Veterans Committee um, in a few years will recognize my numbers and, you know, the World Series I won, you know, in uh, Boston and New York. But at the end of the day, I have eight beautiful kids and life's been great since uh, retirement.
0: Speaking of how your career really flourished, 2002, you were signed by the Boston Red Sox, and as you mentioned about Playing with Jason Giambi and playing with that entire A's team, everyone had such a personality. Eric Chavez and, and Barry Zito called everyone Barry dude. Zito, yeah. <laughs> but, but, carrying just, his uh, pillow around
1: everywhere. And so, uh, <laughs> I think he had a doll as well. So, uh, oh,
0: was, okay. <laughs> just, yeah,
1: or, or a stuffed animal. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. So, it wasn't like Joe Boo,
1: right? Uh, in Major uh, right, League. Like right. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that team. Man, that was great. We had an Oakland.
0: Yes, and, and, and you joined Boston. And you brought that infectious nature that you gained from that to the Boston Red Sox. There were a lot of uh tight, tight players, you know, had the collars, like, all, you know, buttoned up and everything. But you were able to loosen them up. And then it happened 2004. History was made with the idiots, you were leading the idiots, you know, and everything. And and you were having that caveman look. And you also met your soulmate, Michelle, as well that year. But then the comeback, I I, I know you get asked about this all the time, coming back from 0-3, the only comeback in the history of Major League Baseball. The turning point, of course, the bottom of the ninth of Game 4. But with the demeanor of the locker room, how did that help you guys be able to not give up, especially after that Game 3? when the Yanks went buck wild. I remember that (laughs) with those home runs.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the best thing that happened to us was the rain out after uh, game three. And just to give us an extra day to um, take a breath and talk about what we want to do and what we don't want to do. What we didn't want to do was start taking our kids to school and going in the car lines and all that Mm -hmm. stuff. We wanted to play um, two more weeks of the season and uh you know after getting blown out by the Yankees at um at game 3 it just seemed like they uh couldn't hit anymore you know it, uh, they lost their momentum and and that was a great thing for us but obviously we still had to put together uh that ninth inning with um Kevin Millar getting a walk mm-hmm. Dave Roberts pins
0: running pins running
1: mm-hmm. everyone knows he's stealing and then uh Bill Miller uh, you know he seemed to be the only left-hander on our team who could uh, put the ball in play against Mariano because he Mariano was a tough cat to to hit for sure.
0: Yeah, and it's crazy too because Mariano Rivera 100% of the Hall of Fame vote. Did you think that was deserved with him being a closer? I meant to, I wanted to ask you that oh, earlier. Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh yeah. Cuz not every he's not every day guy, but you
1: know. Right, but uh you knew what pitch was coming, and you still couldn't hit it. Oh, that's um, – and the championships, the uh, – just, yeah, he, he definitely deserved it. He, he's the one player for sure. I thought if they if someone did not vote for him, I would have thought they would just say um, the riders can't – that rider can't vote anymore. So that that's how strongly I felt about Mariano Rivera getting 100%.
0: Okay. Yeah. Cause the, it's so funny. The two blown saves game seven of 2001 and game four, of 2004. That's deep. Other than that, his career is amazing. Right. That's so deep. Two of the biggest blown saves, maybe in the history of baseball, maybe.
1: Right. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, I knew he, um, and he was upset after both of them, but the closers, you have to uh, bounce back that's and, right. uh, And he he kept bouncing back, but uh, yeah, those were uh, pretty big games, and uh, I'm glad uh, I was on the uh, winning side of the one in 2004.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes, indeed. Now, talk about the idiots. How are you able to get the idiots going, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, well, we we had a a fun bunch of guys. Like, 2002, when I joined Boston, it was very boring, and um, guys didn't hang out with each other, so we started the season off in Baltimore, and I had a couple guys go out with me and um, they were checking IDs and they were like, Oh, Boston players um, never go out. And I told them, well, things are going to change. So uh, we started changing it. And it was very hard my very first year. Yeah. I got people up and going, but it was like every day. It's like, if I didn't get it going, nobody would. And then, you know, we added uh, Kevin Millar the following year. Uh, who picked up for me when I couldn't uh, get going and Mm -hmm. and we had a really good team in 2003, but, you know, for some reason uh, we didn't have a closer that year, you know, uh, uh, baseball GMs and ownership, they, they try to uh, get smart and creative and it's very difficult for bullpen guys to not know their role. Like, am I getting up in the fifth inning or am I going to close tonight? So that, was a very tough year. I felt like we should have won in 2003. Um, I know the Marlins got hot and they got some big acquisitions like Pudger Rodriguez and um, Darren Dalton, the great Darren Dalton. Yes, and, God uh, the soul. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so they were going to be tough to beat, even though we tore them up during the regular season. Um, but um, 2004, to get the idiots on track, I, I mean, the biggest reason why the idiots – term came about was why are we thinking about 1918 um, I mean we weren't even around them um, we're a bunch of idiots like why, why are we thinking about that why don't we focus on um, our team our togetherness our our dreams um, and you know we're like we want to be um, world champions and no one's going to like we're in control of it we can go out against the Yankees and um, win the next couple of games, or uh, we can just fold up and, you know, uh, assume what everybody expects in Boston is and losing. And we weren't about that. So uh, we pulled it together and uh, we got very hot and uh, we were tough to beat.
0: That's right. And then you went on to sweep St. Louis right after that. So, won those those eight games in a row. That's Those are the best eight games to win in a row, for sure.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, the Yankees losing four, four in a row to us. I'm not sure how many um, times they lost four in a row during that regular season. I mean, they just don't do that. You know, they find a way to win. And um, uh, unfortunately, uh, we found our way to win and uh, yeah, took yes. down the championship.
0: Yes, indeed. while well, talking with the great Johnny Damon, two-time World Series champion, two-time All-Star, over 2,700 hits in his illustrious major league career. Now you went on to interesting, went on to the New York Yankees right after Boston. Yeah. Uh, and, and the Yankees, they're willing to pay you. They're willing to pay yeah. you a, and, and pay you what you're worth and what you deserve. Now when you got to the Yankees, it was a whole different thing. No More Caveman, Johnny Damon. What what was up with that? Because I was upset about that when I saw you had to (laughs) shave everything off. (laughs) Well, I actually
1: had a uh, caveman look um, about 30 minutes ago. I just took this off. Um, It it was on for a little while, and uh, I I was getting ready to do a uh, razor commercial, but it got pushed back another month. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and shave. So (laughs) uh, I I was okay with it. I just wish I would have came out with a mohawk, like looking back, I'm going, Oh, this is not really me. So I wish I would have had the mohawk or at least put it up in a bun, uh-huh. um, or something, but shaving was fine with me. I definitely felt younger and, um, uh, different, but you know, that, that move was a uh, very tough on me because no way in the world did I think I was going to leave Boston, especially going to New York. But, uh, they opened the door for me. I mean, at the time, Boston was the only team who could talk to me for six weeks after the season and not one conversation. So uh, uh, I had to start going. I looked at Detroit. They said they have a young kid named Curtis Granderson that they're giving a shot to. Uh, I knew I could help Detroit out, but they had other plans. I thought the Dodgers, um, but they signed for a call and they said they had no more money. So now it's between Boston and new york and i haven't got a deal from boston yet and then i started talking to new york they had the contract four years at 52 and i was like that's a lot of money to turn down mm-hmm. i wanted boston to offer me something and i told them i had a deal not from who and they thought i was bluffing and i was like i, I don't need to lie about this you know i really want to go back to boston but um, new york's going to be uh easy move for me because now I stay at home for spring training I drive back and forth yeah I was like do something like make an offer and they just did not and so I kept talking to the Yankees um, we got the offer and uh, you know I think it was the first time ever a team had a press conference for a player leaving like, a team so uh, and you know my press conference with the Yankees uh, of course I was sitting there going man. This is very strange. Like, what am I doing here, and how come the Red Sox didn't step up? Well, if they're honest, you know, they really probably wanted me one more year, which if the Yankees would have been off the table, who knows where my salary would have been, a one-year $5 million contract because nobody else needs a uh, leadoff hitter and center fielder anymore because we're so late into the game. So uh, all they had to say was we have Jacoby Ellsbury coming and uh, center fielder is normally uh, – Um, move and you know the honesty but you know i i understand it's a business i have no ill will for the red sox you know they just happen to be more like a ex-wife and uh you wish them well um but um it's time to move on and get your uh soulmate get your trophy wife and uh
0: that's right parallel to to yeah michelle you know of course yeah yeah
1: yeah and it's, it's unfortunate that, you know, breakups have to happen uh, in personal lives and in uh, professional lives. But it happens and you just try to make the most of it. And that's
0: exactly what we did. Now, this is something that I always wanted to ask a former Yankee from that 2009 World Championship team. Game two, that Jay Z Alicia Keys performance at Empire State of Mind, that gave me chills. I knew the series was over. I knew the Yankees after that performance. Did you feel the same way?
1: <laughs> oh, oh yeah. I mean, that song is so badass. I mean, even when you hear that today, you're like, man, I, I was a part of this thing. Like, I feel like that song was just made for us. And uh, yeah, I get goosebumps every time I hear that song and uh, the performance is. Unbelievable, and uh, both, both Jay-Z and Alicia Keys, they keep tearing it up, so uh, good for
0: them. That's right, that's right, and and winning that title because the Yankees went through some tough times, like not even making the World Series in 06, 07, right. 08. And once again, when there's failure, that's an opportunity to keep pushing and an opportunity to learn from it and grow. I know that overall collective of team. Did that. And I know you were part of that helping them to be able to grow because you've been through it yourself.
1: Yeah, well, it was very difficult in uh, 2006 losing, uh, 2007 losing in the playoffs. We didn't make it in no way. Uh, but I mean, it, you get crushed because you play the entire season uh, for one thing, and that's to win the World Series. And then when you lose in the first round to uh, Detroit. That's right, yeah. Uh, in 2006, I mean, I'm absolutely crushed. And then we uh, go back to New York. And Kenny and Rogers. I,
0: Kenny Rogers. Yeah. Rogers. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. And I don't want to stay in New York at all. So I pack up our stuff and we start driving ho- home that night. And, uh, you know, a good buddy of mine, Corey Lido, who was on the team. Oh, uh,
0: God rest I, his soul. Yeah. Not-
1: yeah. Yeah. I told I told him. I was like, um or we talked, and he said, Well, I'll take you around the city before he heads to Arizona. But, uh, you know, you know that loss to uh, Detroit, maybe when I get home, and who knows? I mean, maybe I decide to meet up with him and jump on that plane. But, uh, you know, that was devastating. And especially going into the uh, offseason that year, it was very difficult for me because I was like, Man, a couple of my former teammates just passed, you know, Josh Hancock for the. Um, yes. It was with the Cardinals and Corey, and uh, I believe Tony Gwynn and Kirby Puckett. And I'm going, right. man, should I retire now so I can enjoy my life? Because, like, Kirby and Tony Gwynn didn't really get to enjoy it too much after their careers. And I'm going, man, this is, this is tough. So, going into the 2007 season, I was not myself for sure.
0: Mm, mm wow, that's deep, that's deep and 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 once again, going through that, you're able to to be a professional on the field be a, a influence to a positive influence inspirational influence for your teammates for sure and and speaking of retirement, it was tough because for two years you were waiting for that call. Reflect on how is retirement treating you now and and how you're dealing with that. And also, especially with the Hall of Fame, you mentioned that earlier, but talk about retirement and are you at peace right now?
1: Oh, yeah, I'm totally at peace. Retirement, um, you know, it's something you weren't looking forward to at the time, um, but it happened. And I'm very happy that it did now. I mean, uh, my wife and I ended up having four more kids since retirement. Um, Six kids total. Six kids. um, Yeah, six, six kids with Michelle so, and, uh, and uh, two older two kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, so eight great kids. And uh, I don't think you're ever ready for retirement. Yeah, you talked about it, but once it happens, it's a totally different lifestyle. So, fortunately, uh, playing for these two big markets and winning, uh, I've been able to keep myself out there. Uh, you know, I was on Celebrity Apprentice. Uh, yes. um you know, uh,
0: and queer was, for the straight guy, too. You did that briefly, but yeah, yeah, where I was there was something guy. that happened to you that was crazy. You got to let the audience know about
1: yeah, that. Yeah, I, oh. I got bit by a uh, um, spider, whether it was a black widow or a brown recluse. But I had to oh. go, go to the hospital during that show. My lymph nodes got big around my groin area and up around my neck, and I was like, Yeah, but that's my fault. I shouldn't have been walking up on a baby alligator. <laughs> <That's> my- <laughs> Um, yeah, but I uh, was able to do the show Tanked and uh, Family Feud and Below Deck Mediterranean. So I, I've been able to keep my face uh, out there, but I continue to go out there and support a lot of charities. Um, yes. My foundation goes out and raised a lot of funds to break ground for a boys and girls club uh, recently here in Winter Garden, Florida. So, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying life and the New York Yankees take very good care of me. I go up. Do a bunch of sweet visits, um, eat lunch with like uh, Delta, Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, Mastercard, um, and whoever their sponsors are, and like uh, uh, whether it's OtterBox or Supercuts, uh, yeah, they they've been they've been great with me.
0: Wow, and and, and your foundation just had a golf event out, and I saw the the list of luminaries in there.
1: I was like, wow
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, that that was definitely a, a great. Group of guys and the singers—they all were great. I mean, they weren't um, asked to sing, but they all got up and did a few songs, and uh, we tore it up. So it, it was a great event uh, for a great cause, and uh, I'm just happy that everyone had such a great time.
0: Well, next year, if you need a jazz trumpet player, I'm a professional musician, and I, I don't know if Mike Dempsey, our mutual friend, told you, but I'll play some trumpet oh, yeah. for your event next next year. For all,
1: sure. right. all right, Let, let's uh keep in touch about it, and uh, I would love to have you. It's I'm going to try to do it the Thursday before the Super Bowl uh, Mm. because the the Super Bowl is in Tampa next year. So uh, they changed it. So we're just right down the road. So I want to get all the sponsors and all the celebrities before all the partying we do for the Super Bowl before (laughs) they're um, too tired. So I want to make sure – we get it done on that
0: day absolutely and and i wanted there's a couple more topics i wanted to wrap with you about about the cheating scandal you know i was going to ask you about that with the oh, Houston fine. astros yeah. that i mean what do you think the punishment should be for the players and for the organization because they haven't they didn't get anything what's up with that yeah um yeah i think they should take
1: the title away from them um i mean able to win a World Series by knowing what pitches are coming from um, a light switch or a buzzard. Um, You know, a lot of players lost their jobs because of it. Like uh, relief pitchers would go into Houston and just give up a bunch of runs. And when relief pitchers give up runs, their ERA jumps up dramatically. And when teams look at that, they're not going to want to sign these guys during the offseason. So guys lost their jobs. Um, guys took less money because their ERAs were higher. Um, guys had surgery mm-hmm. and the Houston Astros players benefited, you know, there was a MVP, there was a silver slugger awards. Um, there were contract extensions. There were all that stuff that is really helped out by knowing what pitches are coming I, I heard some crazy stat with Clayton Kershaw how many sliders he threw and how many um, of them were taken. That's right. By 51. The
0: 51. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's
1: absolutely crazy. And that's exactly what I was saying. if I knew what pitch was coming um, and it wasn't a fastball, most of the off speed pitches break outside of the uh, um, strike zone. So I'm just taking until I see that fastball flash, or if I have two strikes, I'll, I'll, give a go at it. But yeah, this is uh, worse than the uh, steroid era, I believe. And uh, hopefully, you know, I think they should strip them from the title, but you can't give the title to the Dodgers because they can't go back and start celebrating um, what happened three years ago after losing the game. So I I think it's, uh, you just leave a team off of winning the 2017 title and uh, go from there because the Astros are enduring a lot of um pressure by fans and all the boos they're hearing at the spring training games now Mm. it's it's not fun it's not fun to get booed I mean I got booed everywhere and yeah of Mm -hmm. course Reggie Jackson told me they don't boo nobodies but I
0: (laughs) that's a good point (laughs) I
1: I, I was switching teams I wasn't cheating so it's Mm -hmm. uh um, cheating in this game is uh uncalled for and it's it's just too bad
0: yeah, that is too bad, and, and, and teams are beaning Astros players now. I mean, two wrongs don't make a right, you think?
1: Right. Yeah, no, uh, I think you can seriously hurt um, a player um, by by beating them. Um, you know, it's just very unfortunate that uh, they, they won a title uh, knowing what they were doing, and so, um, but yeah, Uh, I know some players are very upset because like I said, they lost out on a big contract or they're out of the game. So, Mm. I mean, it's personal. It's personal. I mean, this is what we fight for. This is our living and um, to have it uh, cheated away from us. It's uh, it's not, it's not good, not good for the game.
0: Not good for the game at all. And now, For the game of baseball, you know, ratings have been going down throughout the past few years. Now you can see a rating spike, especially with Astros games like will Major League Baseball win at the end with this controversy.
1: You know, I don't think so unless they uh, strip them from the title. I think you have everybody except for Houston players and Houston fans who uh, are upset about it. And it's, it's just very unfortunate. Mm hmm Mm -hmm. because yeah yeah yeah. only the houston fans and houston players um think it's okay for them to have the title
0: yeah but 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 then you know people want to see them lose or or see if there's a brawl or a base brawl you know what i mean involving (laughs) them (laughs) yeah yeah well well
1: nobody benefits that it's uh it's a big black black guy but i'd like to see how good they really are, especially when they go back home and there's no signs being flashed. Um, So, I mean, if these guys all of a sudden turn into uh, uh, mere mortals and uh, not the uh, Goliaths that they are, I mean, uh, you know, and there's been a lot of great stories um, with the Houston Astros, like Jose Altuve, uh, all five foot four of them, um, just being able to show these kids around the globe that you don't have to be a big guy to be able to uh, succeed in baseball. So hopefully he comes out and uh, he continues to be a really good player. But, uh, you know, there's a lot um, we have to see what what's going forward. But uh, um, fans root for your team and and everything would be be better. I mean, yeah, like why would Yankee fans worry about yelling at the Houston players? Like Get your say in, and then root for Aaron Judge. Root for, um, yeah, Garrett Cole. Like, root for your team, and hope they do good, and hopefully, uh, uh, sh- show show you respect and show you uh, why the Yankees should win the World Series this year.
0: So, yes, indeed, and, and, and the and the Yankees.
1: They're loaded.
0: <laughs> They're yeah. loaded this yeah. year. And it could be the first team to win since your are 09, Yankees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, well, I'm thinking the Yankees and the Phillies. I think the Phillies. Oh, okay. I've been telling Even over the Dodgers?
0: Even over the Dodgers? Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the Dodgers are going to be great, but I think Joe Girardi just brings a different dynamic. Uh, you know, to me, the best manager in baseball was out for the past year or two years. And, uh, um, now he's back. I mean, he, he had some good players over in Philly that he uh, uh, took on, but I think Philly's going to be tough. Um, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, that's the great thing about the baseball season, and that's why fans and uh, should focus on their team and the greatness of baseball, and not. Uh, we we all know we're upset with Houston, but it's it's time to move on. Root on your team and see, see how positive things can be uh when you uh celebrate the great game of baseball.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and I remember you said earlier in our interview uh about the Red Sox how they treated you and and the reason you had to to move on. Mookie Betts, I mean, how they treated him. They should have paid him lovely, right? I mean, the guy's the second best player yeah. in baseball.
1: Yeah, and possibly the best. I mean, he mm-hmm. plays in the Northeast and tough market um that's one thing we haven't got to see Mike Trout do yet um, yeah Mike Trout's unbelievable but uh you don't get that extra cred from playing in the northeast and playing in Boston and playing in New York so uh Mookie Betts is a man and it's uh unfortunate it's unfortunate for Red Sox fans because they didn't get it when I left and I didn't get how I was a free agent and how they didn't uh, lock me up but uh It just keeps on happening with them, you know, especially uh, good outfielders, um, you know, Uh, myself, uh, Ellsbury after me and Mm -hmm. now Mookie Betts. And it's um, it's another very unfortunate thing. But, uh, you know, it's uh, they're going to have to deal with it. I know the fans of Boston aren't happy. And, uh, you know, I feel like they're not going to be as good this year without Mookie Betts. Uh, You know, they haven't added players um to uh take care of what Mookie does so uh hopefully um they're find a way but uh, it looks like it could be the Yankees uh for sure in the in the American League East this year
0: that's right that's right oh absolutely absolutely and yeah. Tampa Bay make him your former team and your home your home area Tampa Bay they could provide a challenge
1: yeah so. they could and you know they um surprise me every year I mean there's a lot of guys uh you don't hear about too much unless they're playing against the Yankees. And, um, but it seems like they do it year in and year out. And one thing I noticed about Tampa Bay, when I, um, played for them, they had the best training staff in baseball because the training staff said, uh, we cannot afford to have our star players, um, injured, uh, um, because, um, we can't afford to pay a guy to, um, uh, or a strong backup, so those the stars have to be on the field, and if they're not on the field, then it's uh, it's going to be a tough go
0: at it. Wow, no, absolutely. Now, what do you think about the seven team playoff uh, proposal that Rob Manfred is is mentioning for twenty twenty two, and then the top team picks? The one of the what, what? I mean, do you think that can provide more excitement or is it just too drastic of a change?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's absolutely uh, ridiculous because now the <laughs> well now these top teams are going to uh, uh, pick the worst team or the team that they have a better chance against. And baseball is not a game where you can roll the dice because a uh, worst team can beat the best team any day of the week and uh and that's um what's going to happen like these teams are um thinking they're uh, we won the most games but I mean like I said worst teams can beat the best and it happens in the playoffs all the time and um I don't know too much more about the format but in that instance I think it's uh horrible
0: <laughs> right right and wild card the wild card games there needs to be three games in that round oh, i mean w-
1: no doubt because teams like the uh, uh pittsburgh and oakland yes. um they get hurt really bad um you have the number of aces that these other for your team to run out um like day in and day out and know you're going to win a game so it's uh I don't I've never liked that format. That's one thing I've always spoke out about, and uh, hopefully they uh, make that change to three games because like anything can happen in one game. Um, you know if someone gets injured, you're you're starting pitcher, mm-hmm. and now I mean so much can happen, and there could be one bad inning, and that's your whole season. And I don't think that's that's right.
0: And in Milwaukee that bad inning Josh Hader had, and and then now the Nats are the champs.
1: yeah oh oh absolutely and uh yeah and yeah i'm not never been a big component about that but hopefully uh they get smart and because those those games are so so exciting and um but when you're down to just playing one game it's it's not fair to anybody
0: and we're gonna do a quick i do a segment random quick questions called hit and run (laughs) <laughs> I'm not good at these. <laughs> it's, go, it's called hit and run, and then go, and like for a basketball player, it'll be fast break. For a football player, it'll be the no huddle, and for baseball, now it's hit and run. So I'm gonna I'm okay. gonna go real quick. Here we go, because I know I know you got so many great memories. Now, toughest pitcher you faced? Tom Gordon.
1: Flat. I, I'm gonna say. T- Gordon, because Mariano, um, everyone knows how tough he is. But Tom Gordon, 95-mile. Oh, we got to be quick, right? 95-mile-per-hour 76-mile-per-hour curveball. Okay, next one. <laughs> all
0: right, all right. The one pitcher, dead or alive, you would want to face?
1: I don't like facing pitchers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you don't know want that challenge of like a Watson Johnson, someone like that?
1: <laughs> no, no. I mean, they're they're great for a reason. I I don't want to face, face great pitchers. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: And, and, and if you name, like, a, a pitcher that wasn't that good, you know, that's not good for their reputation. <laughs> right,
1: yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I think it would have been great to face Satchel Paige. I mean, just. Uh, yes. The, whew, greatest, but, greatest. but when he was 59 years old, not when he
0: started. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's true. He was still potent. He still had that potency. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. Well, the one player who was extremely underrated, his name should be mentioned more.
1: Oh, boy. I always thought Frank Catalonado was such a great hitter, and very
0: underrated. Now, favorite road city—the city that you love to to do it up in. Oh, man, so many, so <laughs>
1: so many great ones. Uh, I love to hit in Baltimore, but uh, it, you know, but I knew something good was going to happen. But going to Tampa, I was close to home. My parents can come watch me. Um, Toronto was great, Seattle, Anaheim. You know, when I got to Anaheim, I went to the beach mm-hmm. all the time. Toronto, I played some golf. Um, so there's a lot of great cities.
0: Yeah. Now, most bizarre teammate. Most bizarre teammate. <laughs> I know you've had a few. <laughs> Barry
1: Zito for sure is uh, probably at the top of the list. Uh, um, Kevin Millar.
0: Okay. Now, favorite clubhouse game that you used to play, like poker. What you know? What type of game in the clubhouse? Um, other, other than flashing well, your teammates. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: yeah. well, pluck or Bou-Ray. I mean, those, those games are um, great to play with. Oh, pluck is a four-person game, and Bure, you can have up to six. So, uh, ray was more for the plane. Black was more for the clubhouse
0: okay okay now favorite sports film it could be a baseball film but favorite sports okay. film oh
1: man oh, i really love the uh last kevin costner movie uh draft day i mean I, I thought it was nicely done and i mean hope that the browns you know have
0: a good season <laughs> <laughs> oh god exactly i mean they were hyped and oh yeah. boy yeah that that okay. That team is been ever since Art Modell took it away from uh, Cleveland. <laughs> it's right. been Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> now, better football history, Florida or Florida State?
1: Florida, for sure, buddy. I mean, what? we got, we got <laughs> trophy winners, uh, you know, from Spurrier to Danny Wolfram, Warfel to Tim Tebow. Um, and, I mean, this last year, I mean, uh, Trask, I mean – only started one game in high school, I believe, and Mm -hmm. he came out and, I mean, the Gators were rolling last year. I mean, their only losses last year were to uh, LSU and, was it?
0: Oh, LSU or Georgia, Georgia. Georgia, Georgia.
1: yeah. So, I mean, they were a pretty good team. But um, I love Danny Cannell, like that comeback he had against the Gators. I was Mm -hmm. happy for him, but really upset but uh and
0: charlie ward don't forget charlie ward heisman charlie you know? ward, chris yeah, wiki he... heisman i'm just saying yeah uh, James winston oh, heisman well, <laughs>
1: well as you can tell i'm a jayner's fan but yeah <laughs> your deon sanders was incredible derrick exactly. Brooks,
0: De- wow. yeah, butler mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah i may i may have to uh go make a list of uh that question you just asked me because you're you're absolutely right they it's a uh, great rivalry, and uh, um, that, that's, to me, that was the greatest rivalry before I joined Boston. You know, nice. I, I had, like, not playing for Boston or New York yet. You just don't think about it mm-hmm. um, as much. Um, but when I got there, I was like, man, the spring training ticket sells um, for Boston and the, the Yankees. They're selling them for $5,000 a piece. And I was like, aren't these people crazy? Like... <laughs>
0: Two innings and be out of the game. (laughs) Exactly. And 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 one more question in the hit and run segment. Do you still have your amusement park? And if you do, what's your favorite activity?
1: Well, we still do have our amusement park out there. Uh, My favorite activity is being outside with the kids. Um, You know, the volleyball net it's going to start being used a little bit more, but we have that big giant Dumbo elephant with the splash pad. Um, Yeah. I just love being out with kids and, uh, Swimming pool is pretty nice, but today's it's a little frio.
0: <laughs> wow, wow. But one more thing. I, I know that Mike Dempsey, I thank him so much for, for linking us for this interview. That's our guy. And he's fighting Jerry Cooney, as we mentioned earlier, June 20th uh, at the W Hotel at Hoboken for, for the YCS Foundation and, and um, you know, and helping kids with special needs. So, so Johnny, you going to be out there to support Mike?
1: absolutely i'm gonna be out there to support mike and uh you know i'm afraid to see jerry cooney now because i know mike uh had us do a video of talking smack about jerry and i'm like oh boy (laughs) (laughs) i know right we know jerry Jerry, he was going down but uh i I know mike's training very hard he's such a giver and uh um yeah hopefully they go out and raise a lot of money and uh Hopefully, Mike doesn't get hurt too bad.
0: Yes, yeah, see, I, yeah. I hope not. But but maybe he could get that one lucky punch. You know, that one right hand or something. You know. Man.
1: Oh, absolutely. And then <laughs> just keep running, right? Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, Mr. Johnny Damon, I want to thank you for your graciousness. Thank you for joining me on where they at the eleventh edition. And wow, the stories, the insight. You know, and your passion for the game, passion for life. It, it's infectious. And I thank you for joining me on where they at.
1: Thank you very much. My pleasure. And thank you for having me on and uh, all the best to you always.
0: Thank you for all listening to the 11th edition of Where They At. I want to thank the one and only Johnny Damon for joining me. And, and what a great interview. Uh, great talk with him. So many great stories, so many great memories. And he, he came up from the bottom to the top. Influential in the game of baseball and and life in general. I wanna thank our mutual friend Mike Dempsey for for linking us up and and having Johnny on. And I wanna thank, of course, one-of-one one productions here in Fort Lee. Fayla Dennis, enjoy the wonderful setting for this podcast. And it's, it, like I've always said, it's like a second home. And also, I want you to check out where they at on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Make sure you subscribe and or follow, as well as rate the show, too. We have so many great shows um, that have been created and as well, if you like the music, you can go on n a b a t e i s l e s dot com. That's nabateisles.com dot If you like the music, and it's from my album Eclectic Excursions, which is on Apple Music, Spotify, Title, Google Play, Amazon, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, so you can check that out. Once again, my name is Nabate Isles, and I'll be back with another episode of where they at thank you all for listening and god bless